0: Hey guys, this is Cracking Eggheads. Welcome back. And today I have Irene Cavall, who is an artist and a former jiu-jitsu practitioner. Hello. Can you talk a little bit about the style of art that you do?
1: I, I, I wouldn't say I have like a defined style at the moment, um, just because I'm still like a developing artist, so right now i'm just um exploring exploring experimenting playing with different mediums and such studying other artists as well what is it that i like about their art and then how can i incorporate some of that into my own art just so it's like i'm developing like my own style i wouldn't say i have a style exactly right now but i'm trying to capture motion inside my artwork even though like art is just it's like a still picture um i want to like incorporate the feeling of motion i
0: mean you say you're capturing motion and i know that you're working or experimenting a lot mm-hmm. with sports yeah. and martial arts is there a particular reason why you choose i mean probably because mm-hmm. you do practice jujitsu but is there is there something more artistic in those particular martial arts that you happen
1: to study, um, I don't exactly <laughs> practice the other martial arts, but I just had like a deep interest in martial arts in general. Like ever since I was young, I would watch like Jackie Chan videos or Jet Li videos, um, <laughs> and uh, I I think I was just very intrigued by the movements of a Tai Chi master or or like the fierceness of I don't know, Jet Li beating up a crap ton of guys. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I thought, I thought I just thought it was really cool. And then recently when I went to Thailand, I was really like inspired by the little kids that were competing at the Muay Thai competitions. They're like young kids, like mm-hmm. 10, 12, little babies just beating each other up. <laughs> and it was like, <laughs> it was cool. Like these guys they're like little kids just like beating the crap at each other. Um and like making each other bleed. And like they don't show any Yeah, oh, they God. don't show any emotion on their faces. So yeah, I was like, dang, these guys are these guys are cool. <laughs> these guys are hardcore. That's <laughs> what
0: do you know if the not showing emotion is part of the Muay Thai culture or is it just they just don't show
1: emotion? <laughs> I think they um, don't show emotion because they don't want to uh, let their opponent know that they're hurting because like I see. Um, if they find out that like say their, their knee is injured, your opponent your opponent will attack your knee. Yeah. Same for jujitsu. Is that considered cowardly? Uh what do you mean? Cowardly?
0: Yeah. I mean knowing that person has an injury in a particular uh-huh. spot, so you like target it, is that is that common practice?
1: Yeah. yeah. To win the match? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're hurting, then you're hurt and you need you need to go down and then the the person takes the prize of course so it's the same for ufc like if you're hurting like say they keep attacking your leg like they're bruising it they're trying to damage it and they do that so to immobilize their movements. so they they don't like they won't mm-hmm. be able to like dodge very well or kick very well and they won't be able to attack so that's it they just lose so it's it's a strategy it's a tactic <laughs>
0: I mean, you were competing for jujitsu, mm-hmm. right? Did you did you did you look for hints of emotion on your opponent's face? Mm, not
1: really, just because I was a white belt. I was a <laughs> white belt, so I didn't really know mm-hmm. much. Um, when I when I went to uh my competition at Worlds in Long Beach, um, mm-hmm. I just went there because I wanted to fight. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't really looking uh, for like an injury or anything like I didn't really have a game plan I just wanted to go and uh, try and submit the other person so yeah I, I don't think anyone had any major injuries anyway. so there's nothing to look at <laughs> or look forward to
0: this is the competition that you won right this is the world that yeah you won.
1: oh so this one yeah this is the one I won like uh, second place yeah.
0: Are you competing against other other white belts or like is it just anyone who's in the Yeah,
1: other white belts and they are in the same weight class division. Oh, so funny thing. I was supposed to be competing at the 103 pounds and um, so I cut my weight. I cut all the way down to 103 and I've been checking like online to see if I had any, any opponents because so far there was none mm-hmm. and like just the day before um the actual competition, like I checked again, and there's still nobody. So I was like, "What the heck?" Um, and then my uh coach was like, "He's like, hey Irene, I know there's no uh competition for you, but you can you can still take the gold for that 103 division." I'm like, "What? I don't want to take the gold for not having." any opponents so what I did was I moved up a class so I had to go up to um, the 116 pounds and okay so (laughs) the day before the competition I was still 103 pounds and I'm like oh crap like I need to I need to eat (laughs) because I because like they're 116 pounds and like they would uh, have an advantage over me because they're much bigger or heavier and stronger yeah so what I did was I tried to eat as much as I can. And uh, the day of the competition, I only weighed 105 pounds, <laughs> which sucked, but whatever.
0: Do you ever intend to go
1: back to training or you're moved on from that phase of your life? I do want to continue just because when I was practicing jiu-jitsu, I stopped, be- not because not I lost interest, but I stopped because there is some drama going on. So, yeah. Uh, Like, there's so much drama that the whole club almost like disbanded. It was, yeah, it was really bad. I don't know if you want to. Sorry,
0: this is the club. Cal State Fullerton. um, Your college?
1: Cal State Fullerton. It was pretty nuts. Yeah, crazy story. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) do you want to talk about it? (laughs) I don't know if I can. Like, I don't want them to be like. Ooh, she's talking about it.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah, no, it's totally cool. That's kind of weird because you expect, I mean, like, even when you're describing the culture, it seems really earnest mm. and diligent. Mm. So you wouldn't expect that kind of drama to arise. Yeah,
1: well, when love happens. <laughs> oh, there's a hint. <laughs> Basically, love
0: ruins everything, and that's a conclusion. <laughs> Let's just
1: say, uh, no, let's not say that. <laughs> <laughs> what? No, let's say it. Let's, let's say, say it. it. Okay. <laughs> so, well, it's pretty common in other uh, jujitsu gyms to have this occur because it's such a mm-hmm. um, close contact sport. Like you start to fall in love with the people you train with, especially if they're the opposite. Well, if they're the opposite sex, you know what I mean. <laughs> Because wait, what?
0: That's so interesting, Nani. What? (laughs) I feel like no. I feel like even if it's a close contact sport, that's not. I don't know. That never crossed my mind. Oh really?
1: (laughs) What? Yeah. Oh well, it's really common in um jujitsu gyms. The only reason why it wasn't good in our situation was because we were in a school setting, like a university. Versus, like, mm-hmm. a regular jiu-jitsu gym where they don't have, like, school rules. so I see.
0: <laughs> no, I'm just imagining, like, you know, close contact and striking sports? And you get punched in the face, you're like, oh, I think I'm in love. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no,
1: no, no. <laughs> well, with jiu-jitsu, there's not, um, there's not uh, any punching or striking, so... Uh, it's more like jujitsu is more like you're cuddling and like you're in such (laughs) awkward positions very sexual positions like the mounting Mm -hmm. position or someone on your back i don't know if that's sexual but yeah it's just you're in such close contacts with each other like say you're the other person's butt is in your face or someone's armpit oh my gosh <laughs> I was <giving> <laughs> <L-A-P-T-S-E>. <laughs> oh my gosh like yeah the guys sometimes they don't know how to clean themselves or or they're just or they're just naturally <laughs> stinky Oh um, <laughs> like i had this one guy i had this one guy who is rolling with me rolling is the word we use for sparring in jiu so mm-hmm. uh he was rolling with me and his breath smelled so bad and he was he he was <laughs> on top of me he was on top of me trying to like get uh like a kimura armbar or something with my arm and um yeah he was breathing so hard on my face <laughs> <laughs> is that a ta- is that a secret Dude, it was <laughs> just i was about to tap out because his breath smells so bad, I was like, I can't. Uh, but oh, that's so funny. Yeah, yeah, they stink. It's a smelly. It's a smelly <laughs> sport. But no, um, people fall in love because, uh, uh, especially for girls, like they don't know what to do. Like, say, if you're a noob, you don't know uh, anything about the sport. You want to go to someone who knows, who can teach you, and. Most of the times, mm-hmm. it's a guy that's going to teach you. So they fall in love because they're teaching him. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> that's weird because, like, it's, that's funny. it's... It's, like, the same as, like... That's, like, talking about going to school and falling in love with your teacher. Yeah. <laughs> Freaking weird. But I don't know. It happens with jitsu.
0: I wonder if it's as frequent for other contact sports. Oh, I don't know if they mix for like wrestling or something.
1: I have no idea. I don't I know my brother was a wrestler, but um there weren't any girls. So I can't say. <laughs> I, I think maybe
0: for wrestling they might separate. Uh like by gender. I'm not sure.
1: I have no idea. I have to ask somebody else. <laughs> yeah. But yeah.
0: Actually I was thinking about
1: you yesterday because Isaacson wrote about how
0: Leonardo would dissect. He would just dissect human bodies to figure out how the muscles work, so he could accurately portray them in his mm, art. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about how, since you have an intimate knowledge of, and you you have done mm-hmm. jujitsu, and you enjoy watching and learning about mm-hmm. sports, it would be easier for you to paint the kind of positions that you're trying to paint.
1: <laughs> when I draw. I'm not exactly thinking about the deep structures of an arm or like the muscles or whatever when I draw because there's this uh, a drawing technique or just a warm-up. It's called gesture drawing where we try to capture the mm-hmm. gesture of a of a pose. So say like someone's in a very dynamic position where yeah, they're like they're throwing something. It's a very action type of move you want to capture how the body twists and how the legs are positioned you just want to capture that gesture and when you capture the gesture you what is the word you're you're like following the motion of the body it's hard to explain (laughs) it's hard to explain without like actually looking if you look at the the letter s it's very curvy Mm
0: -hmm.
1: um the Mm -hmm. body The body is a lot like the letter S when when it's in motion. So Mm. when you're you're trying to capture a gesture or someone throwing a ball or whatever, you want to capture the angles. You want to make sure the angles are correct. Just making sure that your drawing looks like what you see.
0: Do you use that before you start making your paintings?
1: Yeah, I I do. I practice a lot of uh, gestural drawings because it makes your drawings look a lot more real or natural. So like you you can actually feel like say someone the weight of someone throwing a ball or the weight of someone like lifting a dumbbell. Like you want you want to actually see and feel that in your drawings. So gesture drawings is really good for that um, versus like an amateur drawer who, who doesn't know anything about gesture drawings, though like they draw very, very, very staticky. Like they don't practice being flowy. I don't know if that's the right word. But yeah, they just need to have some flow in their their art because I notice a lot of art, Amateur artists, they just they like focus on the small details, and once like if you follow like the small details, and you can't really uh, feel. I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> you can't. I don't know. You just don't. You don't. It doesn't feel real. If they're if they're drawing, like say the eye is like right here, and then maybe the other mm-hmm. eye. They're just trying to guess, like, where it is. It's hard to explain. How did you get into art? Into art? Ooh. <laughs> well, as a young... As a young girl, um, I would always draw. And, um, mm-hmm. like, I would watch anime, of course. And I really liked the drawing style. So, and my... Right. Oh, I guess I got got it from my cousin then because she would draw a lot. And um, I was like, wow, her her drawing skills are really good. Like, I want to learn how to draw because she was my older cousin. So I was inspired by her and like, monkey see, monkey do. I'm going to do that too. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm drawing uh, at school. I, I drew like some weird dinosaur looking thing. It didn't even look like a dinosaur. I thought it was a dinosaur. Um, so I would do that, and then as I got older, I would draw anime, and I just got better and better. But I didn't really take it seriously back then. I just knew I was good at it. But yeah. Me trying to pursue art as a career right now, how I got into that, I think, was I was trying to find like what I wanted to do with my life and because i had asian parents because i had one of my parents my dad was uh, in the u.s navy so it was my mom saying that i should go into nursing it was my dad saying that i should do go into the military or navy air force whatever and so i i would like think about that i would take that into consideration like because i honestly didn't know what i wanted to do with my life so I was like, okay, let's try it. Let's try being a nurse. Let's try doing biology. And so I just kept like going from one major to another major. Like I was so many majors, it was ridiculous. I got, (laughs) like, I did, what did I do? Biology, chemistry, math, architecture. And then I went to the art side of learning like i i wanted to do music or dance like it was just all over the place oh yeah i thought i was gonna be like a chemist i was, I, I thought chemistry was cool i was like ooh, mm-hmm. like you get to learn about chemical reactions and and like i was fascinated by how soap works like how there's like like how it connects to oil and water like whoa I didn't know that um but yeah and then I was uh, learning like about all these other classes that I had to take and it was just getting so complicated um that that I lost Mm -hmm. interest (laughs) Like, like it's cool but like it's too much (laughs) not that cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, oh yeah and i was like a, psych- a psychology major because i thought like um the way the brain works was cool because i i trained my dogs i did um i i taught my dogs like through kind of dog psychology i guess you could say where we teach dogs like where-, where we teach like uh positive reinforcement say you're teaching
0: yeah, you're oh, teaching
1: see. a dog how to sit. You want to reward the dog for sitting, right? So, the, the positive reinforcement mm-hmm. and then the negative reinforcement. Um, so I thought I thought that was cool how how we learn as humans and then like how we can translate that with dogs. Um, mm-hmm.
0: That uh, is cool.
1: So that's how I I taught my dog. I taught my dogs how to do like the handstand or. Really?
0: Yeah. like on their front on their yeah. front, front I didn't know they could do that yeah, what? That's yeah.
1: Wild.
0: So. <laughs> I need a video later
1: <laughs> yeah I was really really interested in like like teaching my dogs how to do all sorts of things like oh how do you teach a dog how to like jump off your back or how do you teach a dog to <laughs> like walk backwards in a zigzag yeah, I was really interested in 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 that stuff. Um, yeah, I moved on. <laughs> I moved on. <laughs> I got tired of it. Um, so,
0: you basically taught your dog like every trick in the book. I've already <laughs> mastered this. <it>. Like, <laughs> no,
1: there's no more. My dogs kind of reached like that point where uh, they couldn't learn anything else, or either that, or I just I, I was just it was too much work. It was getting too complicated again, because <laughs> I didn't want to like waste my time like, just like on that stuff. I don't want to be stuck there, so I moved on. That's how I got into um, art. Like it all just led back to art. So I guess
0: art was simple enough that you wanted to keep pursuing it, but it was also interesting enough to keep hooked.
1: Um, I pursued art because I knew I was. Good at it. I had a talent. Um, mm-hmm. It kind of runs in my family because my brothers are also artists. My dad also he drew very well when he was into drawing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I feel like it just runs in the family. But mm-hmm. what made me want to continue pursuing art was how experimental it was. Because I like doing like things with my hands, like building things like a Gundam <laughs> or or um I was really interested in origami. Um so I wanted to like mm-hmm. make all kinds of things. Um with art. Um there's a lot more to it than just with the pencil and, and paper. Um because that's all I had when I was younger. I was never really exposed to mm-hmm. oil painting because oil painting is like super expensive. And then I wasn't really interested. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't really interested in, like, um, the little kid paintings. Like, they just, they weren't working for me, I guess. They're too cheap. <laughs> so.
0: How much are the oil paints?
1: Oil paints, um, one small tube can be from 6 to $10, depending on the brand. Probably more. Um, For the expensive ones, I usually just get like the student grades, which is good enough, but it's still like not professional paints, I guess. But
0: can you tell the difference when you see it on the oh, for
1: me, I have no idea. (laughs) I have no idea just because I've only used cheap stuff, I'm a cheap person. But I feel like it's all right because like, the average person average person, wouldn't know the difference between an expensive mm-hmm. paint versus <laughs> a cheap one, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I only use the cheap stuff. Um, what else is expensive? The brushes are freaking expensive. You can spend from either $20 to $100 on just one freaking brush and it's... Uh, stupid
0: (laughs) are these brushes specific to oil yeah
1: oil painting brushes are pretty expensive but also watercolor watercolor brushes are expensive depending on like what you want there's this uh, brush in watercolor called the squirrel brush and a lot of people like it because Mm -hmm. um, it holds a lot of water and uh, watercolors, they like that because they don't have to like constantly refill their brush with paint and then paint again. Because like with the cheaper ones, you you're you're constantly oh, I... like switching from painting to refilling your paint, and it just disrupts your flow of uh, concentration. Like like you're in the zone of painting, but then you have to break away from that mm-hmm. to get paint. <laughs> I see.
0: Do you have a favorite medium at the moment?
1: Um. Okay. So I was into oils, but I didn't want to be defined by one medium. So I'm starting to venture off into other things. Um. Currently, right now, I I want to get back into like drawing with a pencil or mm-hmm. or a watercolor. Probably like more mixed media where I'm using pen and, like, ink and watercolor. Because there's this artist that I follow on Instagram. I love his art style. <laughs> his name's uh, Nicholas Namiri. He's super cool. I really like his art. So he, I guess he lives in Beijing because he's always tagging Beijing in his uh, Instagram posts. But most of his artwork is, like, they have Chinese, the the Chinese uh, shirt with, like, the buttons on the side, um, and then they're they're like holding like uh, swords, and I just really like his style because it's very expressive. Mm-hmm. And then like the things that he uses is very interesting. Like he uses whiteout, <laughs> which not a not a lot of oh. artists would think like, oh, let's use whiteout for uh, for our drawing. Like it's not something you mm-hmm. would use on a finished um, artwork, but with his artwork, mm-hmm. it's more for like comics. So he he draws uh, for comics. Yeah, I really like his art style, and I wanted to try uh, mimicking it because like there's this thing that artists do where they they mimic uh, masters' artwork to learn how mm-hmm. uh, learn about their process, and then that's how we evolve with our own process so I was trying to do that with uh, Nicholas Numeri because I really liked his style but then I was also want to incorporate like other things like my own style into it so just a mix mix mesh of styles
0: (laughs) how do you distinguish inspiration from copying yeah inspiration from copying
1: I feel like for copying copying is like you're just copying like exactly how it looks like you're not trying to change anything or trying to make it better yeah that's copying uh for inspiration we try to find and see like what it is what it is about that artist that you like about their work so for me uh looking at Nicholas Namiri's work I really liked how sketchy it was it looks sketchy but it looks really good. Like a really good. It's not it's not a sketch, but it looks sketchy. <laughs> I don't know. It's very uh he has like it's very gestural, like I was saying. I really like um gestural drawings that make it look real even though it's his style is like cartoony or anime in a way, but I like the way his art flows i don't know i'm getting very artsy here <laughs> you really have to look at you really have to look at his work uh to know to know what i'm talking about
0: oh wow well okay now i see yeah. what you mean about like the it's like painty but yeah. sketchy, but like flow-y. <laughs>
1: yeah
0: i don't think artists turn-
1: <laughs> yeah I really like his style. I like how it's like super Asian. Like you can feel the Asian uh inspiration. Like he incorporates mm-hmm. Asian uh clothing and then martial arts mm-hmm. and and just some of his things are like exaggerated. Like the way he expresses maybe like an explosion. It's very exaggerated with his brush strokes. I really like that. I kind of want to go back to
0: you pursuing art as a career because I mean I know I mean this is not meant to be rude but I know there's like a lot of jokes yeah. about like pursuing art yeah. as a career and I'm sure you're like you're aware yeah. of them. Yeah <laughs> so, it's really
1: hard uh, it's really hard for artists to mm-hmm. even pursue art like say someone's like really interested in art and they want to make it their career but then like everyone around them that they say, like, oh, I'm an art major at my university. Um, a lot of people say, like, oh, that's cool. What are you gonna do with it? You gonna get a job? <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, you just feel for an art student, you just feel a lot of pressure from your mm-hmm. from your friends, your family, and your peers. So it's tough, especially starting out. Like you just don't know where to go like you like this you like this practice but you don't know what to do with it especially for people who don't have role models they just don't know where to go and I know I felt that way too when I was going into art school like I was constantly thinking like what do I do with this art degree and I'm like researching for like job positions and most of it is graphic design Mm -hmm. which is good like people people going to art school for graphic design that's good for them because a lot of companies are looking for that they they charge a lot of money for them to create a website for their company or just to like update logos or something that's very um in the graphic design field uh, whereas for a painter like me, like where do I go? Where how can I apply myself in the real world? And I learned later on like how someone like me can apply themselves. You have to find. You have to look for that opportunity. You have to reach out to companies and say your pitch. Say like, like I feel like you guys could use. A nice painting or a nice illustration for the cover of your your I don't know your lookbook your out your magazine or your website, okay. just to like design an illustration, something different on their website or just to design something in their their company or a mural. Like you really have to mm-hmm. go out and find those opportunities. So there are a lot of opportunities for artists. You, but you just have to look for it, <laughs> and it's hard. It's hard <laughs> to look for it just because, like, nobody's advertising for this. They're looking for something else.
0: Yeah, even that it seems really scary mm. to put yourself out there, and it's kind of also risky because you know you don't know if. I mean, like, do you worry about the stability yeah. of the?
1: Yeah, that's the another risk of being an artist is most of the jobs that we take is like it's not consistent we Mm -hmm. like there we'll have seasons of good income and then we'll have seasons of like low income so yeah it's just really tough i feel like for artists especially those who want to be self-employed they really have to know how business the business side of art works so they really mm. need to learn about managing. Basically, they're managing their own business, their accountants, their their web designers. They have to learn about all these other professions by themselves. So that's why I feel like it's really tough for artists to even start out as an artist. Yeah. Sucks. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I imagine that. For you, being able to produce art is, makes it worth yeah. it.
1: People not in the art world, they just don't see the opportunities. There are a lot of opportunities. Um, I feel like if you want to make money with art, you really have to just keep going with it. Always, always put your art out there because you never know when <clears throat> someone might reach out to you. Maybe a company will reach out to you, say... But you want to be careful with that as well because there's legal issues. They might companies especially will steal your artwork. Um, like yeah, oh. if you if you're like, say like you're signing a contract and their contract says somewhere in there that they can reproduce your artwork for their benefit, or just basically transferring the copyright from from the artist to the company. So. Um. Not a lot of artists will read the fine print. They'll just be like, "Oh, this is a great opportunity to make money," (laughs) when they're actually the company's actually stealing from them. So it's tough.
0: (laughs) Do you currently paint for patrons, or do you just paint for yourself and put it up?
1: Um, I'm painting for myself for now. Uh, I just want to build a library of paint or. A library of artworks so right now I'm trying to create um some series so I have like Mm -hmm. my jujitsu grip series and then I have Muay Thai and that's all I have at the moment but yeah I I want to expand like my library so I can have like I guess a nice looking website (laughs) to go to
0: (laughs) (laughs) do you do you plan on making the series about different? I mean, I'm sure it like depends on your whims, but like your series on different sports. Yeah,
1: I want to expand, um, like going into boxing or kickboxing, or or probably just anything that has to do with being outdoors, like hiking. Like I like hiking. Anything that I'm interested in, I guess. <laughs>
0: I see. Do you have something that you want your viewers or audience to feel like when they see your oh.
1: yeah of course <laughs> <laughs> they should feel inspired <laughs> they should feel a sense of power <laughs> like when they see uh my Muay Thai paintings mm-hmm. I don't know how to explain it but like I feel like it motivates me to train or motivates me to mm-hmm. work harder Cause I I really like the look of a Muay Thai fighter wearing his gloves, or a Muay Thai fighter like wearing his like I don't know what they are, but like they look like ceremonial headband thingies that they wear. I just think it's, it's really cool, mm-hmm. and like I I it made me want to uh, learn or practice Muay Thai myself because it just looks cool. I know I feel I I feel inspired. <laughs> Oh, i feel inspired so I, I hopefully someone else feels inspired too we do see a
0: lot of sports or like martial arts as kind of i mean because the most popular ones like ufc uh-huh. you know it seems more brutal and scary uh-huh. but i think the way you capture it like you said is like that power and that kind of mm-hmm. i think it is inspired. Ent-
1: that way Mm -hmm. yeah i tried to uh incorporate like maybe a fighter has some kind of aura emitting out of them that's depicted a lot in a lot of like martial arts art (laughs) artworks (laughs) where they capture motion say say like uh, a fighter has the dragon fist so they put a dragon on their fist (laughs) 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 um
0: I'm sure your your audience—they all join the martial arts. Yeah,
1: there's that. I also want to paint because I don't want to just. <laughs> there's that thing again where I don't want to be stuck with one thing because, like, I'm always like, I always want to explore and expand, mm-hmm. because I do get bored of painting the same things over and over again. So, um, I do like to change it up with the things that I paint. So. I know uh, with martial arts, it has a lot to do with power or bravery and dedication.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: I also want to paint. I want to try painting like something more calming. Like when I went to Japan, I really liked their architecture, the architecture of their mm-hmm. houses and the buildings and stuff. So mm-hmm. I feel like a sense of peace or when I look at it. Mm-hmm. So... I guess it's just, like, I want, like, a complete opposite from from what martial arts is. Because, like, in martial arts, they do meditate and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. I guess I wanted to paint something that was more calming than, like, I don't know. Because, like, meditating is also inspirational as well. <laughs>
0: yeah and maybe even that kind of serenity, yeah
1: mm-hmm. tranquility
0: so art is supposed to be subjective and you're stretching the boundaries of what is art, or even if you can define like good art versus bad art, but
1: uh-huh, art right now is evolving, especially like fine arts, the arts that you see in museums, they're starting to evolve into. Something that you just don't even know what the heck it is. Um, <laughs> and, like, it's really hard to understand, I guess. Like, okay. So, this happened recently, I think last year, where an artist taped a real banana, duct taped it onto the wall, and sold it twice for $120,000. Oh,
0: wait, no. I read about yeah. this. I... like the he got the banana for thirty cents. <laughs>
1: yeah. And I'm like How does that work? I don't understand. <laughs> but apparently it was because um that artist was known for something else previously. He he made mm-hmm. it I forgot what it was. I think it was like a golden toilet or whatever. And I guess people mm-hmm. were bashing on it and because mm-hmm. of that bashing like he was his name started like spreading everywhere and he was well known and then he does he does this stupid thing with a banana and um i think someone told me like the taping of the banana on the wall was like uh it was similar to a- a- another artist from way back when um i forgot his name but he had crazy hair <laughs> <laughs> they they felt like the banana taping was was uh, similar to um or just like a derivative of the other famous artists. So that's why it was 120000 And also because the artist that put the banana on the wall had a name or his name was well known because of the golden toilet. I don't know. Art is so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool <laughs> and stupid at the same time. But <laughs> I, I I get it, but then like I don't get it.
0: I mean, even a lot of, I think, famous art collectors and artists didn't really consider, or they questioned whether that could be considered art. Yeah. But then, you know, I was kind of, I was trying to think outside the box. And even if he was just, you know, just trolling or being cheeky Mm -hmm. about it, do you think the fact that it garnered so much controversy can be a part of you know, like that kind of?
1: Yeah, art? there's a couple other artists where they cause controversy, like with Banksy's artwork. He he, like yeah, paints things that are very uh, political political mm-hmm. statements. Mm-hmm. Like those artworks get a lot of attention because. People will feel something. They'll feel either they agree with it or they feel <laughs> offended by it. Um, there's another artist where he would paint Jesus Christ, and because Jesus Christ is a like a biblical figure, and a lot of people like worship Jesus, mm-hmm. but instead of painting like with regular painting materials like oil or whatever, he painted it with his, his pee.
0: oh wow whoa
1: yeah so (laughs) when people found out that he actually painted it with his his pee they were outraged they actually destroyed the piece so oh wow yeah so
0: i mean my speech coach was telling me about what it means to enjoy like a piece of art or film To keep it short, he basically said, if you see a sad movie, you don't like feeling sad, but the fact that it made you feel something is a sign that you enjoyed that film. You know, or if it made you angry, like at the end, the villain got what he wanted. And it's that feeling of anger is a sign that like, you know, you were invested in it. You, Mm. in some sense, like you enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh I mean, I I don't know if I agree with, I don't even think there's anything to agree about in like, you know, painting Jesus with his... Piss or shit or whatever, but it's like uh-huh. that ability for to affect
1: people like that. <laughs> yeah, to the
0: point of destruction. I'm I'm sure, like yeah. as an artist, he felt some kind of
1: Yeah, <laughs> his art was so big that it got destroyed, <laughs> or made people react. Like it caused a movement.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'm stretching the boundaries too much, but yeah. But
1: yeah, art. I feel like art. In that sense, is a bit art is powerful. Mm-hmm. Like when it comes to like, an artist is trying to make a statement about something, um, mm-hmm. so it can be powerful in that way. Um, but it's it's kind of risky because you're putting your name out there as well in your reputation. So
0: yeah, do you know what happened
1: to him? I have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> um, there's another one where an artist he took a photo of a bank mm-hmm. and then he painted the bank but he painted it he painted the bank on fire mm-hmm. so um, people were thinking oh is this guy planning on burning this bank is he planning on like bombing it or whatever and so they actually had cops come in oh my and, god like, Yeah, like they, they took it seriously they took it as a sign of threat yeah it's pretty nuts but nothing happened. The painter was just painting it on fire. I don't know why. I I didn't read up why. Maybe he didn't like the bank or he had a bad connection with it. Mm-hmm. Who knows? I just <laughs> like it. Yeah, I just wanted it I just thought it looked cool on fire. <laughs> I
0: I did some follow-up research in case you guys were curious, and the Burning Bank paintings are a series done by the artist Alex Schaefer, and the first of the series, which is the painting that almost got him arrested for suspected terrorism, sold for $25,000. And in his interview with the LA Times, he said that his Burning Bank paintings are a visual metaphor for the havoc that banking caused to the economy. Okay, so lastly, these are questions that I ask all of my guests. Uh-huh. So first is, what's the most common misconception about your field?
1: Well, we kind of answered it earlier, how like art is just a hobby. It's not a real job. It's not a real career that you can make money off of mm-hmm. or a living off of. It's really hard for artists to pursue art in general because of that because of that misconception they they just don't feel the support from others and so that's why a lot of artists will they'll quit or they become the starving artists. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess to break away from that misconception, you really have to just continue continue on with your passion if you feel like, it's worth pursuing, then you know, just continue uh, making art, continue to show it, continue to reach out to people and build your resume and get just get your name out there. You're basically building your own brand,
0: mm-hmm.
1: kind of like what other companies do. They have a logo, they have a face, they have a style, a message that they want to share with everyone, um, and you want that to spread. Right now, I feel like it's a really great time for artists to show their artwork because we have technology, we have uh, Instagram, we have YouTube, mm-hmm. we have a lot of ways for an artist to show their artwork to a big mass audience. Mm-hmm. But even doing that work is difficult. It's hard to even get a, have an audience, so yeah but if you continue to share you'll eventually get there <laughs> also finding the right people to share it to you can't just like for me if I'm showing um jujitsu art to people who don't know anything about yeah. martial arts they'll be like what the heck is this because like I have uh paintings where it's just like some hands in like weird positions and they're like what is that yeah. like, what does that mean like They don't have a connection to it. Mm -hmm. So um, you really have to know where to show your art. Mm -hmm. Like, say you want to do some kind of, like, an art booth. Like, I don't know if you've seen those artists who are just out in the mall or out in the street, and they have their little booth, and it's showing their artworks. But the art is, like, something that's not relatable to the people around that city. Mm -hmm. So um say if you're painting like the beaches palm trees something that represents like hawaii or california san diego you would go to places like the beach Mm -hmm. because that's where people who would relate to that stuff go i see so just make yeah just make sure you know where to go (laughs) i guess for me i would have to go to some like martial art event like um i i actually got an invitation from my friend who owns a gym he oh wow yeah he asked if um if i wanted to i could like hang up my artwork Mm -hmm. there at his gym and so people who are interested in jujitsu muay thai or mixed martial arts they can see my artwork and relate to it Mm -hmm. and uh yeah that's just how you That's how you do it. (laughs) That's how you connect with your your demographic, I guess. Yeah,
0: that's great. Question number two: What have you changed your mind about most recently? And this can be anything.
1: Um, most recently, so I would say it's having to be defined by one medium. And we talked about this Mm -hmm. earlier too. Because like I thought that to be a defined or an established artist, I would have to have one medium that I used throughout all my artworks. I thought it was oil painting. Mm-hmm. So with my recent artworks, you can see that it was mainly just oil painting. And even before oil painting, I was into watercolor. Oh, I thought watercolor was my medium. And I thought this way because the artists that i look up to that's what they do like they just have they just have one medium that they use throughout all their their works and they never like show that they do anything else so that's what i thought to be an established artist you would have to find one specific medium but I'm starting to like change that Mm -hmm. but only because I got so bored and I get irritated (laughs) by by doing the same thing over and over again like and not a lot of people know even before you paint the steps you have to prepare for a painting like for artists we have a palette Mm -hmm. with a bunch of like oil paints on it and then if you want to paint the next day you can't do it right away because you have to set up your paints. You have to clean the palette. You have to clean your paints because it, it develops like a skin that you have to peel off mm-hmm. in order to get the, the fresh ones. So there's so much cleaning. There's so much mess that I had to clean up and it was getting so irritating that I was like, oh, I'm so tired. of my <laughs> paints. I, I want to go back to watercolor because watercolor it's just, you put it in water and that's it. That's all you need is just water in the paint. Um, right now, since I'm at that stage where I'm getting tired of oil paints, I'm starting to transition into other things. Probably going into a, more a cartoony version versus realistic I've- figures. So. Yeah, I just want to change things up. And then I'm also like looking at other artists as well for inspiration. So I'm changing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll look forward to your your future sketches. And lastly, do you have any exciting artists, art, or anything related to art news very recently that you thought was cool or interesting? Um, Not
1: exactly. I have anything like current. Current news, mm-hmm. but um, I, I do want to talk about what's happening right now with the the whole riots and the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like a lot of artists are going to be taking advantage of, or they're yeah they're going to want to create more artwork, trying to say something in a statement with their painting. So I feel like a lot of artists are going to be doing a lot of that, and I was actually thinking about doing one myself. <laughs> but not quite sure what to do just yet. I was thinking of just like doing like like a gangster pose, especially because oh. like we have we have we have two things going on, or maybe like three things going on right now, which is like the coronavirus pandemic and then the Black Lives Matter and then rioting. Mm-hmm. So I kind of wanted to sum up twenty twenty, oh. <laughs> in a painting. Oh wow! Can't wait for that chaos. <laughs> So I was thinking of doing, like, a gangster pose and then also wearing, like, my mask. Also because I'm Asian, we can incorporate that, too. <laughs> doing that and then probably doing, like, some kind of a writing on the wall. Like, I don't know if you heard of the song by Childish Gambino. It's, it's called uh, This Is America. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to put that on the wall and then, like, pose right next to it with my mask. Wow. Ooh. Wow. This is America 2020. Ooh. (laughs) I don't know what I'm trying to say to that, but yeah.
0: There's no meaning. It's all senselessness. Yeah.
1: I'm not trying to like pick sides or anything, but like this is just what's happening and Mm -hmm. it's ridiculous. I should put toilet papers too. Yeah. (laughs) Are you going
0: to put it up in your
1: store or your Instagram? Yeah, it's going to be, it's definitely going to be on my Instagram.
0: do you want to tell the audience where they can find you on
1: Instagram your website yeah it's at icabal9 oh that's I-C-A-B-A-L and then the number 9 yeah and is that also your website Uh, my website is irenecabal.com but it's currently under construction so
0: I think by the time it goes up it will be open so look forward to that
1: yes let's do
0: it yeah thank you so much for the long conversation
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah how long who are we talking for <laughs> an hour and 45 minutes down
0: so irene's website is up and running and ready for business so if you want to see her art go check out her instagram and her store and thank you again for listening and you can check out cracking eggheads twitter and instagram at cracking eggheads thank you